previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Any TV home. How about the different strokes home? Ooh. Now, it's funny. We asked this question recently. If the the neighbors and the family come with it or it's just the actual you home. You in the house. Right. Yeah. Now, that's oh, a- yeah. I just everybody with it. I figured I'd have some siblings to do yeah. stuff with. <laughs> back to the Loyal Littles podcast on the WTFC podcast network. And we are back here with our dear friends, Roxy and Simon. Hello. Hello. So Simon survived the fourth. Yep. We're going to hear all about that later in the show. So that's going to be exciting. We did have to start. The big show is going Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. So we're back on schedule, which is nice. But how nice was it to hear Abby Lowell on the big show? Now, that holds a special place for Roxy and I. Now, Roxy, you have no idea who that is, right? I really don't. Um, I've heard the name. <laughs> I think he's a lawyer, <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> and he's the smartest man. Anyway, okay. Oh, special place because we used him in our trailer way, way his back name, when. Yes. His name, yes. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, I don't get it. And I'm like, don't worry. The littles will get it. That's all, that's all yeah. you needed to know. So anyway, <laughs> it's exciting. And we heard a little bit of a drop that they are going to maybe get back into a studio. So that's Ooh. exciting. So the show might be getting back to normal, which is such great, exciting news. Uncle Benny's hear. table. Uh, no more Uncle Benny's table. Oh, wait. I thought Uncle Benny's table was them sitting in the studio around the table together. No. That's what I thought it Uncle was. Uncle Benny's table's in his dining okay, room. Okay, I'm still a tiny. I <laughs> demoted myself it's from okay. fun size to tiny no, again. No, <laughs> you're always a fun size. So <laughs> lots going on. The NBA finals start tonight, so that's kind of exciting. I don't have a horse in the race. What about you, Simon? Do you even know who's in the finals? Uh, it's the Suns mm-hmm. against, not sure. Uh-oh. Wow, you're going to get not some email about that. Cause... The Golden State Warriors. No. no. Oh, my no, gosh. No, they were out ages ago. Littles, no, this is know. why we don't do sports, and this is why we leave that to the pros over on the big show. But it is the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh. So fear the deer. We have oh. a lot of listeners in that area. So. I just saw Steve Osbolt's yes. tweet about fear the deer, and I didn't really know what that meant. <laughs> now I do. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, All right. So the Bucks did beat Atlanta. See, I'm just a, I'm like one or two games behind. You okay. are. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I knew there was an injury, and I knew that that. Yes. You know, uh, but I, then I didn't watch it for a couple of days, well, so I don't know what happened. Hang tight, Simon, because we're going to talk more of your language in about 30 seconds. So okay, great, we did want to say, I guess, we don't really want to show bias or anything on the Loyal Littles podcast, but I don't think we really know anyone, any Littles from Arizona, do we, or Phoenix? And I think that's who Wilbon's pulling for. So we're definitely pulling for Milwaukee, I think. I don't know, but if we do and we don't know it, Littles, show yourselves. Yes, show us. So I think we're going to definitely pull because we know and we Steve, obviously diehard fan. Yeah. And I believe Todd and just a bunch of people out there that were. Well, the know. Bucks have that Greek guy as well. So I'm I'm rooting for the Bucks. OK, great. So we're all yeah. rooting for the Bucks. Cool. I lived in Greece for those that don't. Know, oh, when I was a kid. What? Yeah. That's right. I remember you touched upon that in I think uh, the first episode. And... So I'm rooting for the Bucks. OK. All right. Sounds good. Now. All right, Simon, hang tight. So we're going to start with a, a double email tweet or whatever it was from Bobby Gottfried. Yeah, his first one says Super Bowl seven was the one where the Dolphins completed their undefeated season by beating Washington football team. Now, when I first read that, he wrote it as WFT. 
And I got really confused. <laughs> it took me a second, but I got there. All right. She got the shorthand. So uh, we knew we could count on you, Bobby. Thank you for clearing that up. I did not know that was that season. Mm-hmm. And that season still holds. That still holds because, as we know, I'm sure Roxy knows, the Patriots almost did it, which I still think is a little kind of bs because... Is that a word? BS-ish? I guess is what I was trying to say. Sure. sure. Well, because there's more games in the season now. I mean, they won in a row just as many games as those Dolphins did, but the record is, quote, perfect season, perfect playoffs, which obviously they lost the final game in the Super Bowl that year Mm -hmm. to the Giants. But anyway, now continuing on, we have Simon, you got some fan mail and it's a question. It says from Bobby still ask Simon if, quote, it's coming home. He'll know what that means because I had no idea what that meant. Football's coming home. It is. It's coming home. It is coming home. What does that mean? It means football is coming home. (laughs) What what else do you want to know about that? Well, football (laughs) was created in England, obviously. And therefore, if football is coming home, it means that we're going to win something and and bring it home. Well, I think it all started in 96 when we hosted the Euros. And this song, it's, uh, who is this? Badil and Skinner came out with this song of football's coming home and that was like the motto because like football had been away for so long but now it's coming home hmm. and so we sing that song all the time and football is definitely coming home this year <laughs> it means we're going to win the euros oh, okay and all we're right. going to win it on our home soil because the next the semi-finals and the final are at wembley so football is 100 percent coming home cool. oh nice all right excellent exciting you know it's a shame you didn't know this much about hockey because that's what we really need on the podcast we have nothing all right and then finally we have from sully in boston he always just likes to stir up trouble which we love he said tiny chuck worked at the same home depot as roxy (laughs) another classic no he didn't work there tiny chuck where are you i know he's on vacation everyone he's probably listening Hopefully he's been listening. on vacation for a while. Hello. He said he might even call in and, and check up, but we haven't heard from him. Hmm. I just like, he's got to start defending himself. I can't keep up. <laughs> I got so much going on in my own world that what I do is I take a screenshot and email it or send it to Tiny Chuck and then he replies. And so then I tell Sully, it's, I'm like the in-between guy. And I just, I, and anyway, before we get to our Meet the Littles guest, let's go into a little bit. We got semi, we're going to call it semi exciting news about Summer of Littles 3.1. Now, if you haven't yet, Go to summeroflittles.com and reserve your spot. RSVP on the RSVP page. Make sure the hosts know you're coming so we can plan ahead. I mean, I'm all for just popping in too, but Mm -hmm. you should go over there, reserve. It'll help. Headcounts are helpful. It's very helpful. And Bob will love you for that because it makes his job a lot easier because he's the one communicating with all the hosts and everything like that. So make sure you go over there. But if you're still kind of hemming and hawing about where to go, I don't understand how this can even be a question any longer because now we already told you on the last episode, you're going to get Chuck, you're going to get Roxy, you're going to get Maeve, you're going to get Simon, you're going to get Ritz, possibly his wife, who is lovely. She's lovely. She's lovely. lovely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now we have some exciting news on a whim. Of course, uh, for most of you littles know, it was Tony Reale's birthday the other day. So we at the Little A Littles podcast, we just, you know, wanted to spread the love and we wished him a happy birthday. And we just happened to say, hey, why don't you come to Summer Littles at Hurley's? Hello, Hurley's in NYC. He actually tweeted us back and said, that's a great idea. I'll see if I can make it happen. Cool. So you might get Tony Reale at Hurley's at Summer of Littles 3.1. Now, we can't guarantee that yet. We'll give you updates if we know them. But hello, there's no question now. Get on over to Hurley's. I mean, and the most important thing about all this is that, if I'm being honest, we just need to beat Sully and Boston's count 
That's right. all we really, really care about. Right. So, I mean, he got wind that Tony might be coming. And I said, look, I expect nothing more than a I'll see you, Tony Reale, and raise you a Bob Ryan. So, I mean, he needs to get Bob Ryan to come to his Summer of Littles. And how much fun would that be? So That'd be pretty cool. Anyway, we'll keep you updated. But anywhere, anywhere you're going in the country or the world, the world. So again, head on over to the RSVP page. Make sure you tell your host you're coming to the Summer of Littles 3.1. We hope to see you at Hurley's and NYC. But wherever you're going, let us know. All right, you two, let's get out of here. Another Red Sox fan and (laughs) a great interview. It's so interesting. I love when this one kind of got a little on the serious side, which was really great. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And another long time coming. So we really appreciate him taking the time. We'll be right back with Meet the Littles. Hi, this is Tony. And this is Rob. And you're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast. On the WTFC Podcast Network. Let's This episode by Charles Goodwin, and this song is called Gilded Wings. And Charles writes, I'm an adult rock, folk rock singer-songwriter from the Tampa Bay area, originally from New Orleans. I've performed in many locations around the USA and the globe, including three years as frontman for Kotar-based The Richard Cranium Band. I recorded Gilded Wings in Rain Music Studios during the 2020 COVID-19 shutdown. The song is about the human struggle with our vanities and insecurities that interfere with our aspirations, yet we keep trying no matter how often we fail. Although it is the closing song on his album Gaslight Baby, it was the first song he recorded and the first one he made into a music video. If you like what you hear, head on over to charlesgoodwinmusic.com. That's Charles Goodwin, spelled G-O-O-D-W-I-N, music.com. And as always, we'll play the full song. Gilded Wings at the end of the podcast. It's now time to meet the Littles. And we have one long time coming, highly requested. We'll get into that in a second. Please welcome to the podcast, Mark Schaefer. Hey, Mark, how's it going? It's going right. How's it going with you? It's great hey. now. We finally pinned this down. This has been long coming. And on both ends, I think we both, our schedules just weren't meshing up. And we were yep. so excited this worked out finally. Yeah. Like I said, we've had a bunch of people seriously, like, when are you going to have Mark on? When are you going to have Mark on? So you're here. So why don't you take a quick second, introduce yourself to the Loyal Littles and tell us a little something about yourself. So I'm Mark Schaefer. I uh, live in the DC area. I'm originally from upstate New York. I am a lawyer turned minister, turned Christian educator, turned who 
who knows what. And I've been listening to the TK's show since probably the mid-90s, back when it was on 570 AM, immediately following Don Imus's show. So it's been a long time that I've been wow. listening to, to him. <laughs> that is old school. Now, before we even get into Tony, like, let's go, I mean, hello, I don't know if you know, but I'm from upstate. So where exactly are you from? So I grew up just outside of Albany, actually just outside of Troy, which is the city outside of Albany, in a little town called Center Brunswick, New York, um, uh -huh. which is on the way to Vermont from the Albany area. Okay, so where did you go to school? Well, you said we were in high school. Did you go to college? What did you major in, all that stuff? I went to SUNY Albany, mm -hmm. and I got a bachelor's and a master's in Russian language and literature. Wow. Nice. Um, yeah. So I went to Albany because they had the pro pretty much the best program in the state. I looked at a couple other schools, much more expensive schools, but Albany had a really solid program. And at the time, this would have been in the mid late 80s. They had the only institution to institution direct undergraduate exchange with a university in the Soviet Union. So I did my semester abroad in Soviet Russia my wow. junior year. And I went to Albany because they had that program. So that's what I did for college. That's, that's amazing. fascinating. Well, and hello, it's right near home. Mm -hmm. it's, yep. So you're, right. Yeah. And it had what you were looking for. That's awesome. That's yep. amazing. Although, yeah. although somewhat paradoxically, I went home the least out of all my roommates who were all from Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> they went home like every other weekend. And, and you're you like, know, no, I'm going to hang out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hang out on campus. Yeah. It's funny. I know the campus well because that's where we rehearsed the Empire State Youth Percussion Ensemble. When oh, I was yeah. In high school and the Empire State Youth Orchestra. Yeah, it's my old stomping ground. I just always love it when I hear from Bill LaHecka and who else? Right. Jason Bullitt mm -hmm. and trying to thank all you guys. Uh, are you right. going to do Summer Littles? Um, I'm not sure. Oh, okay. um, it, it depends on schedule because sure. we're trying to squeeze in some vacation here and there and travel. Gotcha. I'm going to sure. try to travel back home at some point. But, but so you're probably one of the people who gets nuts when Tony says co-hoes instead of co-hoes. <laughs> well, I'd like yeah. him. I, I've still not heard him say where I went to, where Ichabod Crane is, because most people say Valatai because it's V-A-L-A-T-I-E and it's right. Valatia. It's Valatia, Valatia, yeah. yep. Yep, so there's, yeah, co-hoes. <laughs> and you would think he went to Binghamton, so he know. I went to Hartwick, which is not far from Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, I know, yeah, I know Hartwick. I think that was one of the schools I was looking at for a yeah. while. Too yeah. expensive, probably. I was dope. I shouldn't have gone. <laughs> so expensive, dude. But they gave me a, a minor scholarship in something I didn't want to do, but I took it. So I was like, okay. Right. I mean, it was in my field. It was opera, and I'm just not an opera guy. But Oh, like, wow. My wife is an opera singer. Stop so. it. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. my goodness. This is amazing. Yeah. Well, we're not even where I was going to get to yet. This is okay. the most interesting thing because, all right, we have a story, but we're going to save it for the second part because we've got to get okay. back to him. But I, we'll go here first. Yeah. We do what we call lurking here. We don't want to call it stalking. So we lurk. Okay. 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 And you're just like me. I, you, your profile picture has a Boston hat on, but you're from yeah. upstate New York. So That's right. tell that story, please, because we're identical. Okay. So I was actually born in Buffalo. My dad's family is from Buffalo. And we moved to the Albany area when I was five. Um, that's where my mother's family's from. So we moved out to be closer to my mother's family. And I didn't really have a ball club. I don't know, in Buffalo, my dad was mm. more of a football guy than mm -hmm. a baseball guy, although he's a Dodgers fan. And actually, years ago, I asked him, how did he wind up as a Dodgers fan in Buffalo? I said, why aren't you rooting for the, the Pirates or the, or the Indians or something like that? And he said, oh, that's easy. He said, uh, the biggest a-hole in my neighborhood was a Yankees fan, so I decided <laughs> to root for the Dodgers. Wow. So, 
but I didn't have a, a ball club when we when I was a little kid, and my next door neighbor happened to be a Red Sox fan, and I just kind of fell in with that, and we, we you know we just followed those teams in the mid '70s, had our hearts broken in '78, and all mm-hmm. of that. And after they won in 2004, I called them and I said, you know, for years I've been telling people I'm a Red Sox fan because you were a Red Sox fan, but why on earth were you a Red Sox fan? And he said, well, I wanted to be a catcher, and I really liked Thurman Munson and Carlton Fisk. And in the end, I thought the Red Sox had the better uniforms. So that wow, was it. So it's a complete really? accident of fashion that I, you know, that through a chain of things that I wound up being, you know, a lifelong Sox fan. Wow. That's but, so know, cool. You know, but when you think about it, it, fandom is kind of arbitrary anyway. I mean, you root for a team because you happen to be born in that city. Like, right. it's not like yeah. you do research and, like, you know, yeah. look at stats or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it's always going to be something arbitrary like that that catches your, your attention. Yeah, or and your, your, yeah. your parents or I mean, somebody. I, I grew right. up in Yankee Central Connecticut versus mm-hmm. Boston Central Connecticut. But my dad grew up, was born and raised in Boston. So he brought that fandom down to Connecticut and raised my brother and I as Red Sox fans. So, right. and it was kind of just like, no questions asked, just, oh yeah, my dad's a Red Sox fan, so I'm a Red Sox fan. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. My sister's a diehard Yankee fan. So ah. that's been, so in the, our family, with her as the Yankees fan, my dad as the Dodgers fan, and yeah. me as the Sox fan, that was always interesting conversations. Sure. <laughs> Mark, we should have kept, we should have kept a tablet because I have two sisters that are diehard Yankee fans. This is identical, except <laughs> no Dodgers fan. My dad's also a Yankees fan, although he says he doesn't care anymore. He's 91. But I'm like, eh, he cares. I could tell. Yeah. He, he still yeah. cares. He yeah. still would rather see the Yankees win anytime. <laughs> um, and it's interesting with Roxy is she has a nephew now. And her brother, as she just said, is a diehard Red Sox fan. And his wife is a Yankees fan. Is a Yankees fan. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. When he was real, when my nephew was really small, they had a Red Sox onesie on him with a Yankees baseball cap so i'm like this kid's gonna be real confused he's gonna be messed up or he's just gonna pick up pick some random team that has like yeah go pirates far away yeah yeah that'll be great so now i know you briefly touched upon it already but so when did you start listening to tony and how did you get to be such a a fan and how did you now where are you now you're down south right no i'm in dc right okay yeah so yes so right and i came down here in 91 to go to law school Ah, I see. um, on what i assumed would be a three-year tour Mm -hmm. and then circumstances were such that i wound up living the rest of my life down here so yeah i still very much identify as a new yorker but i'm a washingtonian at heart too Mm -hmm. so Although now I'm living in Maryland, so it's actually been kind of funny. Since I got married, we moved to Maryland, just just outside the district, not too far. So it's actually living in Maryland that I don't feel like a Marylander, but I can't claim to be a Washingtonian anymore. So that my New Yorkerness has come back. So ah. I kind of sort of felt like more like I'm a you know transplanted New Yorker, living in Maryland near the city that is kind of home for me also. So, but yeah, so that's where I am. I started listening to Tony. I think after law school, so this would have been mid-90s, I was staying at home. It was a rough time to try to get a lawyer job. I didn't get one right away, ran out of money, moved back home. I was living with my dad for a few months, and he listened to Don Imus in the morning. Hmm. And so I would drive him into work, 
and we would listen in the car and I got got listened to that. And every once in a while, he would have Tony Kornheiser on as a guest. And I knew who he was because I read his stuff in the style section mm-hmm. and I would see him from time to time on these like Saturday evening news shows with Will Bond and uh, George Michael. And so I knew who he was and I recognized him from the show. And then I found out that the DC station, when I moved back to DC and I was still listening to Imus, the next show was Tony's show. So I started listening to that because it would just, it would come on and I knew who he was and I knew it would be entertaining. And that's when I started listening. So yeah, so we're talking like, mid nineties thereabouts. Okay. And so I assume you've been to chat, you were gone to chatter, jingle fest, those things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to like one or two jingle fests and I was a regular at chatter for a while. Cause I was on the trivia team. Oh, nice. Uh, with Claire and sure. you know, Jamie and all those. Dina and, and Jeff those, and yeah. Dina. Yeah, exactly. Oh, let's not, and, oh, and let's Bobby. not forget. Yeah. Well, Bobby. And, and Bobby and right. And, and, and also Jen. Yeah. And, and, and. <laughs> Neil from oh, of course, Neil, right. of course. Neil, I don't know why I forget Neil. Everyone, yeah, everyone forgets. Everyone does. It's Sorry, so Neil. funny. But Neil, we had your back. Just remember that we had your back. Okay. No, and, and I and I and you know what it is? It's because Neil for the longest time is was not a Facebook guy. Ah, so like right. on all the messaging messaging in the group, like he was mm-hmm. never there. He always showed up, but like that, I'm tr- I was going through the names <laughs> on the side of the like you know the chat. Right, like, sure. Right. Was there. No, we don't. We just <laughs> so. he gave Bobby so much crap for that. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. He was one of my favorite interviews because he came on, and before I even got to say, "Hey, welcome to the podcast," he's like, "Okay, I'd like to start, and I'd like to clear up some misconceptions." <laughs> So long story short, we did the entire interview. If you get a chance, go back. The sound is not great because that was back in the day when we didn't have really good equipment and stuff, unfortunately. It's just a great interview because we do it in complete reverse. So like he jumps right into like making corrections and being like, and this is why this is and this is why. And so literally that goes, so uh, we'll get you out of here on this. Could you introduce yourself and tell everyone something about yourself? He threw Bobby under the bus right away. That's awesome. So yeah, been to Chatter. I've been to like, it's actually, and I was lucky one back in like 2015, I was on a sabbatical from work and I sent a note to Nigel and was like, hey, you know, I've got all this time off. Can I come in here? A show one time because I knew people sat in from time to time, mm-hmm. so I got to do that once oh, at the studio nice. in That's Maryland. Cool. And you just kind of like you know he lets you in the door and you just kind of sit there very quietly in a chair. <laughs> yeah. And of course, Tony had no idea who I was. He knew my name, but he'd never met me before. Oh. So at one point, Nigel hands him a note and he goes, "Oh, so this is Mark Shaper." <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. me. So. Oh, that's great. All right. Well, listen, we've got some more great stories to get to. You can stick around, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Loyal Littles, we'll be right back with Meet the Littles. You're listening to the Loyal Littles podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Keep listening. It's really funny. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. And we are so fortunate to have Mark Schaefer with us here today, hearing some great stories. But now, if you don't mind, we have a little story for you. Okay. If that's okay. Now, and we kind of, I think we touched upon this. I don't remember. Roxy and I, we just got married about a month ago. And we had some last minute trauma. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Now, Um, hopefully this is a compliment to you. And we hope we don't offend you in any way. (laughs) Let's start with that. 
Well, about two weeks before the day, the big day, we found out that the officiant that we had in mind, who we thought was going to be able to perform our ceremony for us, couldn't do it. Um, anymore some miscommunication a lot too long a story it but had something to do really we're not the same religion and Roxy there, and there I. was oh. going to be a lot more that needed to be done right. and there wasn't enough time and it sort of with the miscommunication we kind of realized and, oh shoot we don't have enough time for this and we also because we moved locations <laughs> yeah. he got the first location okayed but not this yeah, one it was something like one. that oh okay yeah. um yeah. anyway so we were so like who the hell is gonna marry us two weeks before the <laughs> wedding i'm stressing out again <laughs> So I hope this is, you came to mind, believe it or not. And of course, Claire did. I'm like, I wonder right. if Claire would get her thing. I was like, how funny would that be? Right. Claire marries Chuck and Roxy, you know. <laughs> but then we thought, well, the Reverend Mark Schaefer, you know. Right. And I was like, he, he married Robin, Robin Jamie. Jamie. So yep. I was like, why not? I mean, we don't know him and he doesn't know us. Right. And I was like, and that's kind it, of part it was, of it. it. We understand that. It was that, a thought. It, it did come up. And then I thought, well, I thought you were down in Maryland, but I'm like, well, he has a Red Sox hat on. Maybe he moved up to New England somewhere and right. he's close because we got married in Connecticut. <laughs> So we were like, oh, maybe he's nearby, you know, <laughs> like, I was like, so, and then when I got confirmed that you were down there, I was like, oh, yeah, let's, and then she had a dear friend who is ordained and she randomly one night I was out with some friends and she said, oh yeah, if, if you need an officiant, let me know. So I reached out to her and she said, absolutely, I'll be there. No problems whatsoever. So we ended up finding somebody, but you were on our list. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm flattered. I'm just, Thank you. We're like trying to rack our brains of who do we know that is ordained in some way that we can maybe reach out to. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I, I said, I hope we don't offend because we know a lot of it has to do with religion and stuff like that. And uh, right. yeah, so yeah. It but just, uh, yeah, it worked out fine. I'm gratified to hear that. <laughs> so Mark, now we obviously can't go any further. Let's get into the book. Now this book okay. is, it's called The Certainty of Uncertainty. And could you just tell us all about that? Sure. So it's a book that explores the fact that doubt and uncertainty are unavoidable in spite of the fact that we keep trying to cling to certainties and things that we claim we know when we don't. But also, not only are they unavoidable, but I think they're good, that embracing them is important. Throughout my career, I've seen lots of people who struggled with certainty. They either felt they needed to be certain, but had doubts and felt like they were spending a lot of time trying to keep the whole house of cards from falling apart, mm -hmm. or they had doubts and then thought that they were not good practitioners of faith because they had doubts. So I wrote the book to say, why wouldn't you have doubt? <laughs> the whole world is full of uncertainty and doubt. Right. Um, it's everywhere. It's encoded in the religion. It's in our language. It's in our science. It's in everything. And actually acknowledging that you have doubt and embracing it is really helpful and can be really powerful. So that's what the book was about. I really meant to write it for two groups of people, the certain and the uncertain, because mm -hmm. the certain to let them know you can be uncertain and the uncertain to say you're okay doing what you're doing. Right. So that's what it's about. And where did you come up with the idea and all that? So I had preached this sermon, gosh, I don't know, 2012, I guess, fall of 2012. It was part of a sermon series. Um, I used to do this thing where every year I did a, a question and answer sermon. So I would get up there without having any knowledge what the questions were. And the, the students would ask me questions up and I would have to answer them off the top of my head. <laughs> and what I did one year was I did a series where I addressed in more depth the questions that kind of kept coming up over the years. Mm -hmm. And so one of the sermons was called 
am I lost if I have doubt? And so I preached on this very topic and basically like, you know, doubt's unavoidable. So we're giving ourselves a really hard time by thinking we're supposed to have no doubt and that doubt can be empowering. Doubt can be, can actually make faith meaningful. And I kept getting a lot of really positive feedback to that sermon. And then a few years later on Doubting Thomas Sunday, which is the Sunday right after Easter, I preached a version of the same thing and got even more response. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to do when I went on my sabbatical five, six years ago, that's what I wanted to write about because I felt like it was getting to some, not quite crisis mode, but that the problems we were seeing in not just in religious communities, but everywhere is this absolute desire that we need to be absolutely certain about everything and that it's not only creating a lot of psychological stress in trying to maintain that certainty, but it's also preventing us from actually having a fulfilling life where you're able to embrace unknowing and say, it's okay that I don't know what's going to happen or that I'm not sure about this. I can still lead a meaningful and productive life doing that. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So and I, maybe we should have gone into this first. I, I, this interview is kind of all over the place, which is okay. It's a little out of order, but we, I don't mm-hmm. think we ever kind of, so you said you were a lawyer first and then you went into mm-hmm. religion, right? How, yeah. Can you talk about that transition and why, or just how that happened? So I went into law probably for the wrong reason, which is that I went into it because I didn't know what else to do with mm-hmm. my life, you know, because I was, I had graduated with this language degree uh, in 1991. The opportunities for Russian language stuff was pretty much teach, interpret, or spy. And (laughs) I didn't really feel like doing those things, especially since the teaching at that point, unless I wanted to do it, you know, in high schools, I would have had to go on for much more schooling, get like a PhD and all that, and then find a Russian language faculty somewhere at a university, you know? And so, a lot of my friends are going off to law school. And I remember thinking, oh, I could do that. So I went and I graduated. It was not my best academic performance. It was not really, because I, I don't think my heart was ever really in it. And I think I thought it was something other than what it was. I wound up working for a couple of sole practitioners, different firms wound up. Um, I did like a year and a half with this one lawyer who had had a very interesting career, but it was over by the time I started working with him. And then I worked for an immigration lawyer for a while. So I got to use the language piece and that. And then Mm -hmm. I worked for an attorney who did stuff in D.C. as a he was a a lobbyist on the D.C. level, not on the federal level. So that was kind of interesting. So and I worked with him for a few years and I liked working with him and we did some really interesting things. And I learned a ton about the District of Columbia and like how it worked and and got really involved in the the quest, uh, you know, the whole cause of D.C. voting rights, because as you may know, or Mm -hmm. if your listeners don't, the 700,000 people who live in the nation's capital have no representation in Congress. So, you know, paying taxes, being subject to the draft and having to follow all the laws and they don't get a say in how any of those things are decided. So I got very involved in this. And the more I reflected on it, the more I thought, you know, this is really at its heart. It's a moral issue. It's this is just wrong. So whatever the constitutional or legal questions or political questions, there's a moral issue to be explored here. And I had just joined a church in DuPont Circle, uh, Foundry Unitedist, and I got the permission there to start a group to advocate for voting rights for people for D.C. as a moral issue. I said, we won't take a stand on how we solve it, whether through statehood or retrocession or whatever, because that's a political question. But we'll just raise the issue that this is unethical. It's immoral. And 
we were able to get resolutions passed at the local church level, at the regional church level, and two years later, the national church adopted our resolution in oh, favor wow. of DC voting rights. And, and you know, and whenever you do something like that in a church, like it's a real, it's kind of like my uncle used to say about the army is when they're looking for volunteers, don't make eye contact and develop an itch over your name tag, right? And so I had made eye contact and told everyone my name. So now I was being asked to serve on this committee and that committee right. and this committee. Mm-hmm. And then before long, people were saying, you know what, you should really go to seminary. And I resisted that bitterly, actually. I really thought, no, I have already have this career. I have all this education debt. I have you know, three degrees already. What do I need with a fourth? And, right. and all of these excuses. And But the more I talked about it with people, because I would always say something like, oh, can you believe it? They're trying to talk me into going to seminary. The person I would talk to would go, that's what you should do. You know, <laughs> And it was... And, uh, it was really kind of confusing to me because I kept looking for support to not do this. Right, right. Telling me to do it. And then I just got to a point in my life where, I don't know if you've ever had this, and if you have, you know you know what I'm talking about, and if you haven't, I hope you don't, but it's the part where you, you get up every day and somehow the whole day passes. And you can't think for the life of you like what you did or yeah. what you accomplished. You're just kind of like going mm-hmm. through it and kind of like mm-hmm. a fog. And I just realized that I had been in this funk that I clearly was not, I mean, I wasn't unhappy with my work. I liked my boss a lot. It was interesting, but it just wasn't getting me out of bed in the morning. And so I went and I talked to the senior pastors at my my church, and I said, look, I'm thinking about seminary, but I don't know if I'm thinking about it only because I'm kind of in this funk or whether I need to be thinking about this. And they were very helpful in helping me to kind of just reprioritize the question. In fact, one of them just said to me, forget all of the other considerations about money, time, all that. Just say, is this something I want to do? which was interesting because I'd never actually asked myself that question. Oh, wow. And that's a question I've used a lot with people when they come to me for advice. And they're like, well, on the one hand, there's this. On the one hand, there's that. I always just say, what do you want to do? And they'll go, oh, well, obviously the first thing. I'm like, well, right. then go well, do that's that. Your so go do that. <laughs> so, right. So I was really surprised when I went home after that to discover that that's what I wanted to do. I, you know, I had, it kind of caught me completely by surprise. And you hadn't but, met your wife yet or yeah. anything, right? No, okay. no, no. In fact, we're, we only got married a year and a half ago. Oh, so, wow. Okay, great. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a complete surprise. And only kind of in retrospect did it make sense. Because if you had said to me, well, if you know, you know, if your high school guidance counselor says, here's what you should do, go get a degree in language, go off to law school, and then enter the seminary, <laughs> you would never say... Well, that sounds reasonable, sure. right, but right. looking back on it, I see it as kind of a career of education, of like teaching, because I did some teaching when I was in grad school, sort of teaching of scholarship, of advocacy, and that was like all those things kind of come together, and so it was a little more unified looking back on things than it was sort of looking forward. Sure. That's so cool. That's so cool. I mean, it's interesting how things just kind of happen. And like you said, you don't realize when you're going through it that this sort of journey you're on is all bringing you to this certain point um, right. until after the fact. Right. And then it's like, oh, now I see. This is what I needed to do to get here. Right. And you're happy now. Yeah, exactly. Well, we assume. That's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's so great. This is exactly why we do this podcast, because yeah. this is so neat to hear these kind of stories. And I didn't know any of this, obviously. Mm-hmm. So now we, we couldn't, we can't let you go. And we will get to some fun, dumb questions. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. But I would love to hear your version of the wedding story, if you don't mind. <laughs> sure. So now my so, first question, did you know 
Jamie and Robert before? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I had met Rob the very first time we had trivia night at Chatter. He was there. He was like in from out of town. Mm -hmm. So I had met him and then over the ensuing years met Jamie. And so we all kind of knew each other. And when they were talking about getting married... I, so what I can't remember is who came up with the idea first, whether I said I would be, I might have offered myself to just do the service regardless, but I don't, I honestly don't remember who asked sure. who first, but sure. I, but I was certainly like happy to do it. I mean, yeah. I, I knew them well. I liked them both a lot. I still, I mean, I shouldn't say liked, I liked yeah. them both a lot. Of course. Yeah. And the idea of first, they wanted to be kind of really clandestine. Like they wanted to kind of happen at the table right. and not really have anybody know about it, even <laughs> the people who were there. But then the way it turned out, was I mean the whole place came to a standstill. I mean like they waited to start the podcast uh -huh. until we were all there. And in fact, I think if I remember correctly, Tony was planning on not yep <laughs> broadcasting that day. <laughs> he was planning on playing golf. Well, taking the day off. I don't know if he's going to play taking golf. Taking the day but, off, and right. his wife, who knew what was going to happen, said, "You're doing that podcast on Wednesday." So he pulled some strings because she knows Jamie and Rob yeah, too. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I just remember it being a really meaningful and special occasion because, you know, I've done a, a lot of weddings and uh, a lot of them really annoy me. <laughs> and, 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 what, and what I mean by that is a lot of weddings fall prey to the wedding industrial complex mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the idea that it needs to have a certain level of this, you know, you have to have so many thousands of dollars in flowers and this and that. Mm -hmm. And you have to, you know, and there's just a lot of stuff. Yeah. That does not help people to feel like they've celebrated two people together, right? It's, right. you know, and what I loved about this one was that it was simple, it was to the point, it was what they wanted, you know, mm -hmm. it was where they wanted to be, with who they wanted to be. And um, it was about the love. Yeah. 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 And it yeah. was about the community that they found each other in, mm -hmm. which, right. and so they were paying homage to that community by having the wedding in that community. I mean, it made absolutely perfect sense to me that that's where it would happen and right. how it would happen and when. So, and it was a lot of fun. And what's funny though, of course, is like people, they'd never seen me do anything like that before. They just saw me hanging out at trivia night. So, right. like, so which by the way, leads me to a topic I wish to address. Okay. Littles, okay, Littles, this is all of you. A David Aldridge moment is a moment when you see someone you already know doing the thing they're famous with other people for doing, right? That's what it is. When Tony sees David on TV, he's excited to see David on TV because he knows David personally and their David is nationally famous, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So many littles talk about their David Aldridge moments and they're with people they don't actually know, but they've heard about them and then they see them on television. I don't think that's what that phenomenon is. Ah. This is a little pet peeve of mine. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is great. Because well, somebody said to me, when I saw you do that, it was like my David Aldridge moment. I'm like, yes, that's exactly it, right? Because you know me personally. Mm -hmm. And then you saw me in this public arena doing this thing that other people know that I do, but you've never seen me that way. So it's sort of, that's the moment there. So ah. that's what, so that's where this came from is because people said that to me afterwards. It was, that was kind of my David Aldridge moment, seeing you marry Rob and Jamie. Oh, nice. So that's going to get a hashtag information for life. <laughs> yes. I'm making a mental note now. <laughs> Make sure you know the person too. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Well, I think, you know, when people say they had their David Aldridge moment, when they see David Aldridge on TV, it's like, right. they, you don't know him. 
Right. Oh, still, right, right. Still Tony's David Aldridge moment. Is that what you're experiencing? Well, the one thing I was going to say, and I don't know, and again, I'm not advocating you going back and listening to episodes, but if you haven't heard Jamie's episode when she came on the Loyal Littles podcast yet, it's kind of a treat. Okay. Okay. Because I remember every aspect about this because I, of course, listened to Tony religiously. Okay. Right. And I did not know it was her. Okay. So she assumed that she was being asked to be on the loyalist because she was on what? Episode five, I think. I believe. Yeah. I think she was like Mm -hmm. episode five. And part of it was because, you know, Claire was our first one. And then honestly, if I'm being honest, Littles, it had to do with, you know, I had a couple male, so I wanted another female. She's right. very active in the chat groups mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I was like, oh, I don't know this person. I'm going to, I want to meet her. So, <laughs> so she comes out, she tells the whole story and she's like, she basically was like, uh, well, I was like, wait, that, that was you. And she was like, yeah, Robert's my, hu-. I'm like, wait, you're married to Robert Burke. And she was like, isn't that why I'm on the podcast here? She's like, I thought that's why you asked me to be on because I'm married to the incomparable one. And I'm like, no, I was like, but oh my gosh. And I remember. And so she knew I knew, cause I'm the one that spoke right up. I'm like, he wasn't even going to be there that day. And she's like, yes. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I remembered everything about this, but I did not know who they were. I did that's not know amazing. who the people getting married were. I just knew there was this wedding at Chatter. And yep. I thought it was crazy and ridiculous and fun, just like everyone else. And yeah, that's a that's a that's an interesting good listen if you uh, get a chance. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Well, Mark, this has been great. Believe it or not, we're almost out of time. But Roxy, we pride ourselves in asking at least one or two dumb fun questions. So sure. What do you got? Oh gosh. Well, first I want to say I think you gave me a new question that I might start asking, and that's what is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, that's. Um, a good one. I think that's a really good one, but we already know the answer for you. No, I have bigger pet peeves than that. Oh, you do? Well, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we won't drag the podcast down with those. So. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Could be fun. <laughs> oh no, like there's all kinds of things like people misusing ironic drives me nuts. So, oh, okay. But that's a whole thing. Love it. <laughs> this is really dumb, but. If you could eat only three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Um, really sharp Vermont cheddar cheese. <gasps> Love Ooh. that. I'm listening. Um, let's see. I guess really good crackers to go along with that. And Naturally. Then, boy, that's a, that's a tough one because I feel like, you know, with those two, I kind of occupied the field. So probably some kind of, oh, you know, I, I know what it is. It's a chicken shawarma from Lebanese Taverna. That's, that's what it would be. So <laughs> Nice. Wow. Very specific. No, wait, it. follow yeah, up. I mean, like, I mean, chicken shawarma is great, but the chicken shawarma at Lebanese Taverna in the, with the garlic paste, oh my God. So if Lebanese Taverna wants to send me a check, by all means. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, a follow-up question really quick. Vermont cheddar. So are you thinking like Cabot? Brand, Cabot, have you yeah. have you been Cabot. to the Cabot store in Vermont? Not, I have not. I have biked past it, but I have not been to it. Well, so, yeah. let me tell you. Make sure you go around lunchtime because now I don't know how it is in COVID, but at least pre-COVID and maybe hopefully post-COVID, they had all the different types of cheddar cheeses that they make as like samples and this big mm. long table and you would just circle the table. I, I would circle it like five or ten times <laughs> and just eat all the cheeses, and that was my lunch. So. All right. Might be something interesting. Take to the plan. tour. Yeah. You had to take I, the tour, I assume. No. Oh, you, take, yeah. you just walk in and it's there and you can shop their products or you could just sit there and eat cheese. Sit there and eat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great. All right, I've got one quick one for you. If you could have dinner with anyone from history, who would it be? Oh, boy. Um, 
So the, the, the challenge with this question for me is I once heard an answer better than anything I could ever come up with. So because, you know, we used to do this campfire retreat kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you go around. This was an icebreaker question. Mm-hmm. Of course, it, in my context, they always had to say, you know, other than Jesus, <laughs> who would you have dinner with? Right? <laughs> and um, that would actually be such a great answer. Though. Right. You know, that's the and, answer. <laughs> right. So they would say that. And so everyone's, you know, Gandhi, Einstein. And this one kid said, Hitler. And we all stopped. And he said, because I would want to see just how deep God's grace is capable of going, which is the best answer ever. So I feel like it ruined it for, you know, (laughs) know, there was never going to be a more thoughtful answer I could come up with this. So acknowledging that I'm not going to come up with a thoughtful answer. You know, because like Jesus is like the obvious answer, but right? <laughs> now, because I, because I, I think you know it would be I, I'd want to hear like the unfiltered because what we get is through the tradition, right, you know, right. and so I want that. But I maybe if not that, then you know FDR, I guess. Sure. <laughs> well, and actually, I have a follow up yeah. real quick. Are, yeah, are you still in contact with that kid? Do you know what? he ended up going on to do in life or anything or he wound up working for the church the world council of churches in geneva i think i don't know i, I don't know what he's up to these days gotcha, we haven't gotcha. talked about it, but wow. yeah that's such a uh, great answer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was a really thoughtful answer. Mm. And I will say it kind of ruined the game. I mean, it was just an icebreaker. Right, like, right. Yeah, I was going to say, it's so <laughs> deep. You're like, wait, deep. is this the last night? <laughs> is this it? Right. That's it. Right. Because that's, like, oh, well, that's what you end right. on. Well, <laughs> I guess Jimi Hendrix isn't going to sound so cool. Anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my, I always used to say George M. Cohan because I'm such mm-hmm. a big fan of his. Right. I think I would say like Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire or Ginger Rogers, any of any of them from the golden age of movies dance. Yeah, Um, yeah. I think now now that we're thinking about it, now it's coming back because I was trying to think of like whose insight would I really want? I mean, FDR would be fun to talk to, but actually now the more I think about it, the more I'd want to talk to somebody like the Persian poet Rumi Um, because and I and I quote him a couple of times in the book because I think he's just so interesting in the way he sees language as an obstacle to understanding in the sense that we get hung up on the words we use rather than the ideas that are behind them. And that I I find that really persuasive. So I think I would just like to pick his brain about what it's like to be a mystic and sort of how to engage with the world through that kind of mystical lens that what you're seeing and what somebody else is seeing might be more similar than the two of you think because you're using different words to describe the same underlying reality. So I I think that's probably who I'd like to have lunch with. A sober reflection. Sure. And if it makes you feel any better, there, there have been other FDRs for that question. Other people have answered that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, FDR would be a a great lunch. Yeah. He's from, he's from New York too. So, you know, say, Hey, I've been to your place at Hyde Park. You know, yeah. it's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> used to go right by it on the train all the time and yeah. wave, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is great. Yeah, I love you just came full circle for us. And as I <laughs> knew you would, because I knew you'd be such a great podcast guest. Let's plug everything. So how can we find you? You're on Twitter, right? Yep. And uh, plug anything you want. You got your book. Anything else? Nope. All right. Well, how can we find your book? You can go to certaintyofuncertainty.com is the website with some excerpts and some other information on the book. It's on Amazon. It's on all your major outlets kind of thing. Yeah, I I guess that's that's probably the best way to find it. Um, That that site links to all the places you can buy it. And we'll put that in the show notes for you as well. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks again, Mark. We really appreciate it. All right, all you loyal littles, we'll be right back. I'm Christopher Giannini from Memphis, Tennessee. 
and you are listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast, and thank you, Mark Schaefer, for coming on. Good times as always. It's just a lot of fun, and I'm glad we finally got to tell him that story, Roxy. Yeah, that was fun. I, I hope he appreciates it. I mean, it was. It was on our list. We we were thinking, who could marry us? And we're who like, do the we, Reverend Mark Shaver. Who do we know or know of? Right, yeah. <laughs> so he was definitely on the list, so that was exciting. We're just glad we finally got to tell him the story. So now let's get into Simon. How was your 4th of July? Well, you know... I'd say a little bit on the terrifying side. Oh, to, okay. yeah. did you go to the hot dog? Did you compete in the hot dog eating contest? Is that what you're trying to say here? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they had to pump my stomach. Oh, um, no. No. So, no. In all seriousness, though, do you even pay attention to that? Do you watch that? Is it, Are you at all? What, count, what counts as paying attention? I mean, like I, I know of its existence. I watch the news and see these people stuff their faces. <laughs> But I, I, I wouldn't need. say I have the trading cards for any of them. You know. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Joey Chestnut is the only card you would need because he just won, I think it was the 14th time. And they're trying to put him up with like Jordan and all these other people that won all these multiple champions. And I'm just like, this is a, this is a this joke, This isn't right? a sport. This is how, well, easy how many, now. How many hot dogs now. can you shove down your gullet? Right. Well, I That's also prize think... money. Does he win money? Oh, yeah. It, well, like then maybe it's a sport. It's be, it is a race, be. I guess. It's got to be. There's got to be tons of money in it. All right, I won't knock it. Yeah. Well, I could not. We can knock it. I would more than happy to knock it because I think it's. First of all, I don't think it's legit. I don't like how they dip the hot dog in water. But I, as Michael why, why Scott not? says on the office beach day. Yeah. Hello. Dunk it in the water and shove it in your mouth so it'll slide down your gullet. That's what he says. He says gullet. And I think that's a funny word. And I know I said it three times already. But anyway. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's almost kind of cheating in a way. I, I just. Can I, I put know. some so you, like. So you want it to be dry. You're like. Yeah. Well, I think. it's your own saliva. Well, you I mean. Do it. So I believe he like set a new record or something. It was like 70 some, how many was it? 76 hot dogs 70, and buns. 76 hot dogs and buns, but the oh buns are God. soaked. So they're like pretty much non-existent. I don't know. I just. No, no, I'm going to defend him here. They're not non-existent. There, there's more stuff to go in his stomach if it's soaked because now it's bread and water. Yeah, so, water does, hey, water does do some filling. Okay, fair enough. I just think, I don't know, the whole thing. I just feel like it would sound more impressive if you ate like 15 dry whip bun hot dog because then i feel like i could compete that's where this is all going see roxy knows this about me i eat very fast Ugh, and very efficiently terrible. she hates it because before she even like takes like three bites of her food i'm done with my entire dinner and it really bothers her you now this it. well because well, that's terrible manners yeah, yeah. well that's, that's okay. who said i had manners <laughs> and it's as... not good for your digestion okay fair enough but it all goes back to when i was on tour when we were on tour and we were on a bus and truck you would pull into a lunch stop and it would be like a mall or wherever and you would literally have an hour from when the bus pulled in to when the bus pulls out and you don't want to be late because they will leave you and then you have to get yourself to the next city or whatever or some tours set up a fining system if you're late, that kind of stuff. Anyway, my point is, if you have errands to do, like say you have to hit a drugstore, a post office, anything, you literally have an hour. So the first thing you do is you go get your food, you woof it down, and then you have time to run your errands or shop or whatever you want to do. And that's where, I, for years, that's how I lived my life. So I got used to just eating so quickly. And I actually think I could give somebody, maybe Sully, I don't know, is he man enough to do a hot dog eating contest with Chuck? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I would be good at this. Now, there's no way I'm coming close to set. There's no way I'm coming close to 20. But I also don't think I would want to eat a wet, soggy, bun hot dog either. I'm, so. I'm curious I think, what training goes into this. I don't know. Like, well, how do you... Yeah. 
expand your stomach enough to eat yeah. 76 hot dogs. Also, if it were me, I would be sitting up there being like, uh, can I get some mustard and relish on my hot dog, please? And can I get some fries exactly. with that? Yeah, I would want condiments on it. Like that I would, would just a, sit there and want to eat a, eat a meal. Like, oh, sure. Oh, know. there's condiments on mine. Yeah. And, and Sully, you don't have to have condiments on yours. I won't make that a requirement, but I'm definitely... I think I'd my... give you a run for your money. Now, oh. Yeah. oh, okay. All right. Well, Simon's uh, in. I eat... Well, I, I have manners, so if I'm with <laughs> someone else, I don't eat ridiculously <laughs> fast. But yeah, so, you know, I went to boarding school, and so for five years of my life, there's, that's like the least interesting part of being at school is eating. So you'd sit down and you just eat it as fast as you possibly can. So, okay. Mm. Well, and I think the most important thing that should come out of this is you said it was 76, right? Yeah. New record? Okay, Littles. In 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, fine. Okay, Littles, there has to be a jingle in here somewhere. 76 trombones from Music Man, revival coming back to Broadway in the fall. Yes. Hello, 76 hot dogs at the big contest. I don't know. <laughs> There's got to be something there. Maybe I'll write it. I don't know. We'll see. But that's got to be a, a jingle of some sort. Simon. Isn't that also a, an apt amount on 4th of July for 76? Yeah, oh, 1776. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like the right amount. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Simon, what did you do, speaking of 4th of July and all that? I mean, it's really not. I biked, I city biked across down Manhattan to my friend who lives in Crown Heights, which is in Brooklyn, and I was stopped at the bridge because they weren't letting people across. Right. So it was just like a two-hour nightmare to get to my friend's roof deck. But then, I, I don't know if you are aware, but... Um, in lots of parts of Brooklyn, everyone has illegal fireworks and it's like a war zone. I mean, it's just, we were at roof slash balcony level. So the people that were setting them off on the street, they were exploding right by our faces. So the thrill, yeah, I mean, adrenaline, amazing, but there were definitely, uh, it was definitely a little bit terrifying. And then trying to get home, surrounded by people setting off fireworks, it, you know, it felt a little bit dangerous, but... Uh, <laughs> but no. you made it. I did make it. Good. I am back in the closet. So. Right. Back in the closet. <laughs> yes, we still have to get you out of the closet. Uh, you're right across the street, so we got to get you over here soon. The problem is, half the time, we surprise Simon and say, hey, we're going to record in like a half hour. Are you available? I mean, you'd think, look, if I had some help, I could set up schedules. I could work around other schedules. And that's why it's, sometimes it's just who randomly comes on with us. It's it's yeah. just crazy. So Roxy and I had a very interesting. So where did we go exactly? We went out and had a nice dinner. Yeah, we went to Francis Tavern downtown. Now, do you know what that is, Simon? No. Okay, this is historic. I didn't even know this. This was a, We met a couple friends. And I heard this amazing story, which we're going to get into in a second. But so, Roxy, where is this and why is this? It's had to do with George Washington, I believe. Yes. Francis Tavern is where George Washington gave his farewell speech to the troops. And it was also a speech that Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton wrote. Right. Um, and now it's a restaurant now bar. Now it's a restaurant bar. I mean, it's incredible. You go inside, there's all these different rooms. It's so colonial and yeah. historic. And Oh, it's um, really cool. It's really cool inside. So. This is in they, Manhattan? Yeah. Oh, no. yep. It's, uh, oh. Simon, you'll appreciate this. It is on Pearl Street. Well, well, well. Very yeah. nice. So, it's my favorite street. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. So now the important thing is we met up with a fellow and he told us this story. It's, it's interesting because I'd never heard of such a thing. I knew it existed, but I didn't have never heard personally. Now I'm going to try to reach out to the big show because I'm going to reach out to Nigel. I think this this company, I'll say, would be a great guest on the TK show. It's not more us, but I am interested in that, Littles, how you feel about that, because our podcast, obviously, our guest is always a new Little that we get to meet. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I mean, some this is such an interesting topic story that I don't know if it's big enough that it would get on the big show. So I would love to have him on our show, but I don't want to ruin Take away from like I don't want to ruin our vibe of what we started here mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But sometimes, I mean, what do you think, Littles? Let us know. WTFC Podnet at gmail.com or tweet at us mm-hmm. at Loyal Littles Pod. And what do you think? Could we do an episode or two here and there with just a, a different guest if we think it's something the Littles might be interested in? The two guys that run the, the company are Nate Slusky and Demir Makik, and they have this company. It's called Verified Athletics. So if you want to check it out, it's verifiedathletics.com. And he told us all about this, and it's all a... It's Go a, ahead, it's, Roxy. It's for college coaches or college football programs pay for this service. It's a recruiting service. Yeah. So they, they get they have this database. They have of, this logarithm database. Right. That's just crazy. For he was going of into high it. school students and where they might fit well and put to, put them on college coaches' radars. And it, it's I think specifically for kids that may not have a lot of the opportunities that some other kids might right. have. That's the um, whole point of this, which I found very interesting. So it's it's a really you know the diamond in the rough kind of situation right. where someone might not hear of you because you grew up in this location or you have this, well the first person. This I thought it was our you last know. guest, Chris Davenport, right. who comes from this, he coaches small in a town. small town, mm-hmm. small high school. Yep. And uh, Chris, you definitely should check this out. Yeah. Uh, there might be some really great talent there that might fly under the radar of some college programs. And this company helps to, helps those students. And, and the, the most important part about this, there's no cost to the athlete at yeah, all. It, it's, it's not. It's all paid. It's all from the college. From the college. That's who they're targeting. They're mm-hmm. asking the colleges. And I guess they already have Florida State and somebody else already on board mm-hmm. that are using this, their logarithm program, whatever you want to call it. To so, find people. So again, it's verifiedathletics.com. I am just grazing the surface of the stories he was telling us and how this whole process works. And so I wanted to give you the, the bullet points. I don't want to bore everyone with this if you're not interested. But like I said, I think this would be a very interesting guest. Uh, this gentleman said Nate would be the guy to come on and talk about it and whatnot. I just think it's really cool because it's like you said, it's to help the kids that normally wouldn't get seen. Right. Who could be uber, uber talented. And then play for Florida State instead of like a division three school, which is probably where they'll end up because they don't have the... The means to... Right. To get seen by these big time schools. Right. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, and I think there was one other Meet the Littles guest we had at some point that um, that was a a college coach or a football coach or something like Mm -hmm. that. So I I apologize. I can't remember who that was. But Chris Davenport, for sure, you should check this out. Anyone else that might be interested in this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So Simon, sounds like ours was much more eventful, 4th of July. (laughs) I would say so, yes. (laughs) And then seriously, on the way home, we were walking back. And did, did you see the fireworks here in Manhattan? I couldn't really. It was blocked by a building where I was in Brooklyn. But I had like 360, well, almost 360 except for Manhattan where there's just fireworks everywhere. But yeah, I couldn't really see the New York one. They were shooting fireworks off the top of the Empire State Building. We couldn't believe it. It was so cool. I'd never seen that before. I, yeah, I saw pictures. I'd never seen that either. Yeah. My, actually, my, my friend produces stuff for Macy's, and so he oh. got to go up there and see them setting it all up earlier in the day, which was kind of cool. cool. And the only thing I was wondering is, like, down below, did they, like, block off a whole city? They must have blocked off the city block, I would think. I would think. Because yeah. if something falls or something. Anyway, that, it was amazing to look at live. It was really cool because yeah. we were just not too far away. We were probably about oh, 20, wow. 20, 30 blocks away. Yeah. 
And it was really cool to see. Beautiful. Anyway, we hope all you loyal littles out there had a very safe and happy 4th of July. Roxy, tell everyone how they can get in touch with us. You can email us at WTFCpodnet at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at Loyal Littles Pod. We're also on Instagram at The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget about our Facebook page, The Loyal Littles Podcast. And don't forget to run over to iTunes and give us a nice rate and review. And most importantly, don't forget to run on over to summeroflittles.com and go to the RSVP page and make sure you tell Bob how many people of you are coming to Hurley's in New York City because that's where it's at. Yep. So don't forget. <laughs> and thank you, Mark Schaefer, once again for being our Meet the Littles guest this week. And thank you, Mary Faye Randolph, Christopher Giannini, and the great new bumper we got from Tony Beeson and Rob Colpine live. It was either on their way or home from Jingle Fest or to Jingle Fest. I don't remember. So thanks, guys. That was really sweet of you to do that. All right, you two, let's get out of here. And everyone out there, have a great week. And as always, if you're out shopping online, don't forget to what? Use the Use code. Use the code. I guess Jimi Hendrix isn't going to sound so cool. <laughs> Set of sights on greater things Spend a time only imagining Thinking about how great it would be Sailing over the world on gilded wings
podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. Oh, yeah.